Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. This podcast is where we share and discuss the experiences, ideas, and happenings in the world of business, featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction in your journey. Introducing your host, award-winning entrepreneur and Prince's Trust business mentor, Jay Dillon. Thank you for joining me again on the podcast. We've got an interview this episode. It's with Joseph Valente. He was the BBC Apprentice winner of the hit show, and he was a, a business part of Sir Alan Sugar. So we, we basically we go into details of how it all started, how he won the show, what it felt like winning it, and also what it felt like being in a billionaire boardroom with Sir Alan Sugar and his closest allies. So it's a great one, guys. Hope you enjoy it. Let's go straight into the interview. If you don't know Joseph, JV, um, he was a winner of the BBC Apprentice hit show. And I'm not going to tell you too much because I'm going to go into his story. So just tell us what you're doing at the moment, Highline, and then we're going to go deep into your story and find a bit about your past and we'll come back around again. Okay, so at the moment, um, I'm really focusing on building our boiler installation company, Impragas. Um, we're aiming to take it national within three years. We're covering about 50% of the country as it stands. I'm really focusing on building the Joseph Valente personal brand, um, enjoying life and um, continually wanting to smash it and level up. Yeah, I could definitely say he's enjoying life when his penthouse suite, which overlooks Peter, but it's amazing here. And um, thank you for inviting me here, obviously. Um, so look, going back to your early years, tell us a bit about your life growing up, you know. Um, what kind of background did you have and then... Yeah, um, so I came from a family um, that was working class. Um, my mum worked three jobs, my dad didn't. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, and my, we struggled a lot. I mean, we never went without um, the basics. We had toys and all of that type of stuff, but my mum really battled to get it. Um, and that gave me um, you know, aspirations and work ethic, I believe, um, from very early on. I had a very wealthy uncle, which we can explore because he's an important part of the story, that showed me what the other side of life is like. And I could never really understand back then how you could have my dad that was a bum and a drunk that didn't work, and this really rich uncle that would turn up once a month in BMWs and suits and how we had everything. So that gave me an understanding that there was something else out there that I could get my hands on. Um, grew up um, in Peterborough and um, my story really began when I was expelled from school when I was 15 years of age. So that's where really my journey started. Were you a good student or you just didn't want to? Um, for primary school, I was a very, very good student. Um, very smart, always top of the class, yeah. um, you know, really buzzed off, you know, getting the top levels and, you know, being a teacher's pet. Yeah. Then I hit um, early early teens and you know people start to change and everything else but at that point things at home were getting pretty crazy for me um my dad was getting out of control i was no longer i was turning into an adult like you know a young adult so i was fighting back all yeah. of the time and um it just got mental so i found it very very hard to concentrate and work at school okay. um i hated authority no one telling me what to do i wouldn't listen to anybody um, and, and, in, and in secondary school, I was a nightmare. I didn't want to be there. I did everything I possibly could to get myself out of that place. Was that because you just didn't like what they were teaching or, you know, you just wasn't interested at all? Struggled with authority. 
um, because my dad was so strict, I think I wanted to break and rebel against it. Um, and then I really did find a lot of the stuff they were teaching us pointless. Okay, and I was looking at it and going to lessons thinking, this is boring. I'm never gonna do anything with this. I don't need to know it, right? You've taught me the basics. Now stop teaching me more because you know I'm never gonna be good at this subject, right? And I really just couldn't understand why you were being graded on something that you were never gonna be any good at. What's the point of telling me I'm no good? I know I'm no good. So, you know, it was a stupid one. And I thought I'd rather use my time on things that I liked and enjoyed doing. And I think after I was expelled and when I went to college, that truly reflected, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting because I did the, I was similar, but I wasn't rebellious. Mm -hmm. So I went all the way into uni as well. Three years at uni, again, a business degree, which never taught you anything about business. So you came at it quite early. I carried on. Yeah. And it, it's just a bit tragic the way we're kind of told to go through on the university path. Really, them teaching, we not, I never used anything really, apart from one or two things, how to switch on a computer. It's all a game. I think the people at the top are looking for a way to generate revenues and they're teaching the masses that the way to, to be better and to level up is to follow the set path. But I think most of the stories out there are people that have broken away and done it their own way are the ones that are truly successful. So people need to really start to wake up and weigh up the two, because for me, it's pretty straightforward. People are going to uni, they're not getting jobs, they're getting in loads of debt. People that aren't going to uni, that are breaking out, building their own businesses are the ones that are becoming extremely, extreme, extremely successful. Yeah. So who's right? The schools and everybody telling you to go to uni or the people that are actually proving it, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and they need to ask themselves that question. Yeah, and myself and James, we're trying to get the message out there, aren't we, through podcasts, exactly through right. social media. And it is about waking up. It's about weighing up the option. Do you want a life of, you know, going through the system when you get to 65? My dad's just retired. And yeah, it has done so much hard labour. Mm -hmm. And at the end, there's no real reward, apart from, yeah, you can have a couple of hundred quid a week and keep yourself going till you basically die. So he's not really lived life, so that's so true. So with, with, with obviously you rebellion, so what happened then? Did you go into business? I know we're gonna go into The Apprentice a bit shortly. So what did you do? So you so left college. Was, so 15, expelled. I was um, hanging around in the park with older teenagers. Um, I was getting lost and um, I just said to myself, Joe, like, you're not wasting your life. You ain't gonna end up like these guys. You've gotta do something. Something's gotta change right now. No one's gonna do it for you. You spent your whole teens blaming everybody else for your mistakes and your mess ups. Take responsibility and do something about it. So went and found a local plumber um, who became my mentor. He was like, he was 25 and he was a guy that had the BMW and he looked really cool and he earned loads of money and like everyone wanted to be like him. And I approached him and said, listen, you just started your business. I'm supposed to be in school. Can I come and learn um, plumbing? I'll be your apprentice, but you don't have to pay me for a whole year. And then if I prove myself and um, I'm good enough, when I turn 16, put me into college and start paying me. Um, and that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. I used my free time as an asset to attract a business to take me on so I could leverage it and get the skills back from them. And um, he took me on and I started as an apprentice plumber and went to college at 16. So are you, are you, were you a qualified plumber then? Yeah, a qualified plumber. So I went through college for two years. 
Um, and then after I qualified, I was working for a different guy at the time when I qualified. But after I qualified, um, I was on 30 quid a day. I was doing 14 hours a day. I was really working hard. And I was like, right, this is my time. I want my pay rise now. I've earned it. Yeah. Um, and I said to him, will you pay me 60 pound a day? He turned around and said to me, no, I'm going to give you 50. So on that very moment, after two years of brutal work, I quit my job, yeah. took out a 6,000 pound loan and actually went and studied on a private gas course in Rotherham. Okay. Um, because they were advertising advertising train as a gas engineer and you can earn 40 grand a year and I was yeah. 19 thinking yes 40 grand a year is like a million pounds yeah of course um, that's exactly what I did within six months I was a qualified gas engineer and um, I was taking 40k a year and I had a flat a girlfriend yeah. a car and living the dream absolutely balling good stuff so from there how did um, did you in progress did, did you kind of form that company um, straight after, so you obviously you qualify gas engineer. Are you working for yourself at this point? No, so I was working for a company and then um, I got to 21 and I decided at that point um, that I'd had enough really. I was bored of what I was doing and I decided to quit my job and off I went to Australia. Went and lived over there for a year, wow. traveled, um, experienced life, partied. It was just unreal. Like I recommend it for any young people listening. You can have a year out, go and do it because you, you, you'll get to see the world. And then I came home and then that was when the, the real weird famous bit sort of happened for me because I, I was never a reader of books or yeah. self-educator at a time. And my mum bought me Lord Sugar's autobiography, What You See Is What You Get. Read it at Christmas back to back um, for two weeks solid. And at the end of it, um, it flicked a switch in me and like changed me so much that I decided to take a 15 grand personal loan from Tesco's, um, had it in my bank within 48 hours, quit my job, and then Impregas was born. Okay, so this is before you went on the show. Three years before. You, three years, so how, where, where we, So you built this business, you, well you've got the loan, so how did you build it? So did you just cold call or how did you get it off the ground? So what I decided to do, and I saw a gap in the market, that the plumbing industry had been operating the same way for many, many years. You know, the, the, the um, reputation of it was that it was, you know, a big fat bloke that would, you know, no hair, yeah. trousers, um, you know, down his leg, yeah, yeah. bum hanging out. And that there wasn't anybody really selling the services as a service. It was more reactive. People waiting for their phone to ring. My bosses complaining that they had no work. So I decided to package um, the brand um, as it were and go out and sell it and I knew that my first um, to build the business quickly I knew I needed lots of work rather than just having a Mr. and Mrs. Smith call me up to change a tap every now and then you know so what I decided to do was buy a 500 pound suit I was 22 years of age I bought a briefcase with no paper in it I brought an umbrella and I hit Peterborough's high street um, dressed like a banker or a trader walking up and down walking straight into all the property management companies which I knew I was going to get one contract to get me loads of work yeah. and I used to just walk in there and pitch hi I'm Joseph from Impregas so I offer a 24 hour breakdown service blah 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 and then um, got turned away from everybody um, and then decided to go back at the end of the first week when I first started the business and that, that second time I went back I signed two property management companies got 600 houses on contract and then the business just escalated from there yeah that's interesting because 
for me, people talk about, you know, the fake it till they make it. But I think perception is really important. Mm-hmm. And I use it in my business. I can remember when we started an agency, I called it Fast Track Personnel. Because the name was catchy. Mm-hmm. When I pitch to clients, they'll think, oh, we've heard of that company before. I dressed smart like you did, got the nice car, and went out there. Because people will do people business that they think they can do business yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to do that. I know it's not fake it till you make it, but you've got to, like I said, get the suit, look the part. Yeah. Then people wake up, do you know what I mean? It's image, and you think, like, how different is it for those guys? So they're used to a one-man band coming in a dirty van and an older guy. Then all of a sudden, they've got a good-looking, yeah. young yeah. geezer Definitely. in a suit that walks in. Yeah. Complete different image in a tie representing a plumbing company. So if you have a particular profile of your industry of what somebody thinks they look like, change it and you will stand out and they will remember you and that gives you your foot in the door you know who are they going to call when something goes wrong you know and it's your chance to change um, the image of an industry and I love that and I think specifically in noisy industries where people say it's overcrowded that's not a negative that's a benefit because they're all doing it the same bloody way and everybody's got the same idea of the industry okay awesome right this is how it operates how can I tweak it change it usually very slightly makes big differences 100% and that's such good advice there you know if you're in a market where you think it's oversaturated you've got to make it better and the little tweaks make the big difference I was just talk, I was just talking to Neville before about his kiddie care operation where when people came to the store he made the toilets perfect mm-hmm. because what do women do pregnant women and young children they want to go to the toilets don't yeah, they yeah, so yeah. he made that little tweak rather than people saying oh toilets are not very good there yeah. when my wife goes I know to any pubs or any restaurant first thing she says toilets are nice or they're disgusting that kind of thing yeah. so little tweaks like that matter so much kind of thing so you've got this business you've run it for three years I know everybody listening wants to know about The Apprentice. Mm -hmm. So tell me how The Apprentice came about. What what did you do, you know? So I got to the point, and I think um, everybody will get to the point in their business where they feel a little bit lost. Um, We'd leveled off. um, We'd got all of the property management companies within Cambridgeshire. I didn't know um, how to take the business to the next level. I didn't have huge cash reserves to invest. Um, and I needed more people to know me. Um, and one evening, I had a terrible evening. It was a shit day at work. I came home, um, put Facebook on my phone, and it said, um, Lord Sugar's page come up, final calling for The Apprentice, apply now. You've got 24 hours. And I swear to God, it's the God's honest truth, right? And I look you in the eye when yeah, I tell yeah. you that when I put my details in, I knew that I'd won. 100%. I knew at that very moment because, because of what his book did for me, Yes. Um, I knew that I was going to meet him one day, work with him, and it, cha- and it and I just knew it, right? I'm a big believer in the laws of attraction. I vision and look at everything, and the viewers ain't going to be able to see it, but if you look up here, I've got all of the stuff written on my apartment walls of what I'm going to do for each business brand yeah, yeah, I can see that, and right? all of my goals. So I knew, I knew it was coming, and I knew I was going to win. And the reason I applied for it, because I wanted mentorship, yeah. exposure, yeah. and cash. And that could offer me all three of those things. Awesome. And by the way, I can see these goals. And they're defined even down to the family life. And uh, we're talking off air about that. won't be about yeah. family and how you know, you're looking to move into that. So look, guys, visualization, the law of attractions worked for me. It's definitely worked for JV. You know, he's, he's, he's done this, he's visualised it. And you, you do get that feeling. I know it's hard to describe. Yeah. But you look him in the eyes, I can tell straight away. You knew you are going to win that. And it happened. So... 
you apply. Mm-hmm. So what happens next? And do they call you or you? So you apply um, and then they come back to you with an email saying that you get accepted and then you turn up to the first audition in London and there's a massive TV um, studio. There was about 5,000 people there all dressed in suits, all in a massive line like you see on the X Factor at the beginning, yeah, yeah. just like that. And everybody thinks they're the dog's bollocks, um, you know, and you're looking around, eyeing up your competition and you're queuing in for hours and hours and hours in silence. And then... Um, so 5,000 people. Wow. Yeah, it was insane, right? And then they're pulling everybody into a room yeah. 12 at a time, right? And then the first little section that you have to do is 30 seconds, tell me who you are. So you walk out the blue into a room, there's three people sitting there and they go, right, they call out random name, Joseph, tell me who you are. James, tell me who you are. Laura, tell me who you are. And then people aren't prepared for it, you know, and then they like, they just can't speak or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they pick you out of there. So they pick two people out of the 12, 10 go home, two go up in the elevator onto the next challenge. And then there's multiple challenges throughout the day. And then there's multiple other challenges across another month that you have to keep going back through to get onto the actual show. And I think they say about 60,000 apply each year. Like, so it's um, amazing because I, t- I um a mentor guy a magician and he went on britain's got talent yeah and he explained the process there so i know television you don't see half the stuff like mm. f- i would never have thought there's five thousand people queued up sixty thousand apply that's just amazing numbers, it's crazy it? right so look when was it t- so, so you've been through all these hoops and you obviously know you're going to get on there, but obviously when you get that call, mm-hmm. but you're coming on, how did that feel? It felt amazing. I remember I was driving, it was about 8.30 at night and I was still working on the tools back then and like I was waiting for the call all day, all day, all day. Just, I literally rang my mum like, yes, I'm going to win. I yeah. told you I was going to get on. I'm yeah. going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Um, and then it was a whole host of different emotions because you have to go away for nine weeks, right? And you can only tell three people and they all have to sign NDAs that you're going away. And you've got to remember, I had a business that employed seven people and we were contracting for 3,000 homes. Yeah. I was the main man. You know, it was a small business. I was running everything on my own. And I only had one lady that worked for me part-time. Um, the rest were engineers. And um, I'm like, you know what? How can I go for nine weeks? This business will fail without yeah. me. Like, it's, am I going to risk my business to get the bigger piece of the pie? Yeah. And can I get it? Um, or am I just going to go, you know what? When I got on, I'm not going to go for it because I need to protect my business. So I told my mum, I told my sister, and I told Debbie, which was the lady that worked for me. And I sat down and I said, listen, Debbie, I need you to sign this. And I've got to tell you about, I've got on to The Apprentice. You only work three days a week. And I'm going to need you, right? The only way that I can possibly go is that you step up full time. You run all the engineers, you deal with all the clients and everything else and keep the business going. And she was like 55, you know, so she wasn't a spring chicken, yeah. you know, so she, um, she'll hate me if she hears me say that. <laughs> Sorry, Debbie. We'll take that <laughs> bit we'll, we'll take that bit out. Um, <laughs> but um, she said, you know what, Joe, she looked back and she said, of course I'll do it for you because I know 100% you're going to win. Wow. And like without her, I never would have been able to go on it. But that was the, that was the thing that I had to battle with. Am I going to risk my whole business yeah. to take it to the next level? This is why everybody that wants to continue to grow and to develop and to do big things they have to risk everything yeah each time to gain it you can't you can't play at this game right you need to calculate the risks risk versus reward but without risk you're never going to level up 
I will risk everything to get to where I want to go. Everything, and you have to, it's so important. And I think there's no magic formula, because I was talking to one of my mentees and we're pointing out there's, there's a guy there who wasn't doing so well. And I said, look, what's the difference between you or me and him? There's no difference. We've got the same eyes, everything. Do you know what I mean? The difference is the ability to take a risk. Yeah. But then the second and most important thing is, is taking the risk but calculating. Yeah. That's not going and putting 100,000 in the lottery and think, oh, it's a big risk. That means sitting down and yeah. doing the actual work, doing the figures, doing the research, doing everything it takes then you take the risk. A lot of people go into business, they think, oh, we're taking a risk, but take the wrong risk. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah, 100%. Um, You've got to measure that risk against the reward. Yeah, and I was, I was reading on Donald Trump. You know, people say, oh, he takes risk, but he says he reads every single small print. Mm -hmm. You know, all the due diligence that yeah. needs to take it. So you've got this call, you're on the apprentice, you're pumped, you're loving it, I'll be jumping over down, I'm jumping over down, just thinking about you getting <laughs> that call. So nine weeks, you're away for nine weeks. So. Did it pick you up in that car, the black car that you always see? Um... So, um, yeah, you get picked up in a Mercedes on the first morning, you get driven to the studio, you um, like turn up in front of Sugar, and it was just surreal. What was that like, meeting for the first time? Because I've just met Grant Cardone. Yeah. And meeting him is like surreal. Yeah. Like, Sugar is all, Lord Sugar, he's always on our TV. Yeah. How did that feel? It was like I was in the TV. Like when you're sitting on the chair opposite the boardroom table and he's sitting there because he doesn't come home and say, hi guys, welcome, this is the process. Yeah. All you see, the first time you see him is he walks through that door, says, right, you're our new candidate. Then he goes and you don't see him. You only ever see him for like when he comes in and out of the door. There was never any welcome to the apprentice. This is what's going to happen. It was like, he's really like, you barely see the geezer, right? And so he walks in through the door and like you're sitting on the chair looking across the table and you're like, am I in the TV? You've got Karen sitting there, you've got Claude sitting there yeah. and then like what you don't see on the, through the TV is all of the cameras behind him and then all of the cameras behind you. They're positioned out of shot filming. Them. So there's like five or six people that way, five or six people that way to the right and left of their shoulders, all with the cameras facing on you. Wow. And like he's sitting there and like, you know, you're thinking, how do I talk? How quick do I talk? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? Um, you know, and all of these types of things that go on and you just, but it was an amazing experience because he was always one of my, well, he was my main idol. Yeah. The reason I started my business because of his book. So for me, I was a fanboy. Yeah, exactly. You know, I really was. <laughs> so, so the first time you meet him, then I, I'm assuming once he comes in, you're the candidates, he's there for the camera, they take the shot. Mm -hmm. Then you go back to the house? Are you, yeah, are you, nine, are you nine weeks in a, in a house? Nine weeks in a house with all the other candidates and then each, each couple of days because the task lasts three days and they're back to back. So you start one, finish one, start one, finish one across the whole nine weeks and you do 11, 11 or so and you have one day off a week. And then each week people get fired. So the house is still the same size house obviously, but it just yeah. gets emptier and emptier and emptier and emptier. Then, you know, one thing that cracks me up about it is like when people used to come back from the task and then they'd be like, oh my God, I'm so happy you've come back. Like, it's so fake, such bullshit. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. man, I'm glad you come back. I wish you fired a lot of you. Yeah, yeah. I want this process to move faster. I yeah. want more of you gone. I'm like, why has he only fired yeah, one? Yeah. You should have fired three of you this time, you know? Yeah, because yeah. I, I don't get that bit either because you're competitive, right? Yeah, you, you want it's them to all be fake fired. bullshit. I mean, there's a lot of people in there that you know they're just fake like yeah. i'm very straight yeah. that was one thing i'm not good at dealing with is the fakery like i never i'm never one for small talk you know bullshit and if 
any of that type of stuff went on I used to separate myself from it or, or say it straight yeah. you know where they're pretending to be best buddies and they really hate each other that's yeah. right but I think that, that's normally what happens if, you, mm. if you're honest and you're the same all the way through yeah. eventually people buy into you yeah. and think you know what he says it as it is but the other people they might be nice and not so nice think what can I they get found out they get found yeah, out that's exactly they get found way. out if you're not straight eventually you get found out and Lord Alan Sugar, he will know, man. He, yeah. You've been through business, I'm in business, you know when someone's bullshitting you. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you're just like, yeah, that's bullshit. And I think that was probably one of my biggest assets was being able to know that. Because yeah. I looked at him, as soon as he looks at you, I'm like, he will sense it. I will not lie. Yeah. I will not blag it. If I've done it wrong, my hands are up. Look, I ain't perfect because I wouldn't be called, I wouldn't be applying for a show called The Apprentice. That's It'd be right. the master, right? Yeah, of so, you know, I'm not perfect. So, the others that do try or on that type of thing, if you ever apply for it and ever go on it, you know, just be real with what's happened. Always focus on what you did right. Never focus on what somebody else did wrong. That's other people's downfalls. They go into a task going, well, he messed this up, he messed this up, he messed this up. They're so focused on other people, they forget that they've not done anything themselves and they're not backing themselves. All I ever did was back myself. I always made sure that I made a big enough contribution to every single task yeah. so I could bring it back to that, but I would never badmouth anybody that didn't start on me first. Yeah, definitely. And did you, what, what were the tough times in, in the house? Did you get any, any arguments in the house? Did you, you know, behind the scenes, you're living yeah. together, all these new people. Did you get any the night time was hard because I've, I struggled to sleep a lot anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of pressure. You don't, you're only allowed to call back home five minutes every week. Wow. Right. So I, I, I said to Debbie when I left, I'm not ringing the business. I don't want to know if it goes down, it goes down. So what? Yeah. Right. So, you know, in your mind, when you shut down, it's like, is my business okay? Um, you know, am I going to get fired tomorrow? Did I do enough today? What am I going to use as my defense if I, you know, whatever else? You know, all of these things every single night because it meant so much to me. I think that's what is an important thing as well. People that go on there don't really go to win or don't ever believe they could, but I'd convince myself that I'd won. So it meant so much that, yeah, it was a lot of pressure. But because I'd had the business for three years, I could deal with it. After three or four weeks of no sleep, because you're getting back, you're doing 18 hour days, and you're filmed and you're under pressure and it's horrible environments. They chuck you in front of Waterstones to pitch a crappy book that you, you've only just written 24 hours ago. Yeah. It is shit and you know it is. And you're gonna look like a right mug on TV. Yeah. You know, that's a horrible feeling, right? And people are caving. After a while, the weak ones that hadn't had a business or weren't used to it or had been working for somebody, we're just caving in and I had the durability which was lucky but it's a savage process people think on TV especially nowadays it's a lot more you know, they're saying the candidates aren't credible and stuff like that but you know it is a very tough process it, yeah, really, it is. really is and with TV they magnify it because they've got a show business mm. so they've got to make it look good so they're going to chuck you there they're going to chuck you there because all they're judged by a number of viewers yeah and they've got to make exciting unfortunately you're in the process you're doing your best but they might want it a different way yeah you've got, exactly to, you've got right. to take them on board it's like the cameras are another battle you've got to overcome right yeah and you got to understand that dynamic so anyone applying for a TV show is always understand the story that they want to portray and don't fight against it work with it and that's all I'll say I yeah. mean the apprentice isn't staged and there's no fakery there but if there is a direction they want you to go in just see the higher level of what's behind it understand it and work with it not against it yeah you, you've got to work if with that it. makes sense now that makes total sense and I interviewed a guy called Ed just was on Dragon's Den yeah and he won it and he was the same process to mm -hmm. get chucked in a room they were asked to pitch 
And I asked him the question, I said, why do so many people get the figures wrong? Because that kills me when I'm watching, I'm thinking, you must know your figures, it goes, it's the heat at the moment. Yeah. Because I know my figures, yeah, I get asked the question, you're thinking, you know what I mean? It looks yeah. easy when you're watching it. It's harder when you're doing it, right? 100%. So you've done that, you've got to the stage where, you know, you're winning the, how many tasks did you win? Um, I think about, Six, six or seven. Did you win the one that you were project manager? First one that I was project manager of where we had to collect all the items. Yeah. And we had a team in France and a team in England as project manager for that one and we won. Okay. Buzzing about that because that was my favourite task. Yeah. Um, and then task nine, a property task, we, I was manager and we lost. Okay. Um, the one you knew about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I suppose what, what team you It got. was um, because basically we lost the Canary Wharf development and uh, we got the Stratford one and the apartments were so, I mean, the apartments at Canary Wharf were going for two million a piece. The ones at Stratford were three, 400 grand. <laughs> yeah. So we had no chance. They sold two, we yeah. sold a couple and we weren't even close to one order. That's but hard. we didn't get on board the top developer because I went straight in asking him for how much he was going to pay me on commission rather than giving a shit about selling this product. <laughs> <laughs> Which was all I cared about was making the most money because I didn't yeah. really read into the dynamic of what they wanted. But you know, you learn, you, you live and learn, right? Live. I think being in business probably would have helped you. Like I said, the ones that just come on, they've done a bit of a degree, they just want the fame, mm. they're going to get fined. And that's what the process is for, right? Yeah. Alan Sugar, Lord Alan Sugar wants to get these people that are just faking it out mm -hmm. of the way. Um, so look, when you're in the boardroom and you're sitting there, do you know who's going to get fired or is it all kept or how does that work? Um, honestly, if, when you're, you're, if there, you're allowed to tell me, you please. don't know. No, you, no, no, you don't know. I mean, he does it off the cuff. Like you have a good inkling. Yeah. I mean, you most definitely have a good inkling. Um, cause you know, you think who you would fire, but yeah. you just don't know with him. He's very, um, volatile. So you don't know what way he's going to go with it, you know? And it's, and it's, it's crazy. It really, really is. Yeah, I can imagine. So you do all that the boardroom thing because we watch it from home, and I've, I've, I'm a good, I'm a fan of it because mm. I love the way people sell. I like looking at different people. I've got there. So when you get to the final, you got to the final. Um, you sit there. <coughs> so when Sir Alan says to you, "Did you know that time?" I know you had the, the feeling you're going to win, kind mm -hmm. of thing. But getting so close to the end, how were you feeling then? I was just like the destiny that I'd told myself is coming true and I've got to get it across the line. I've got to get it across the line. I, I used to go up to um, the balcony because we had a roof terrace. It was a big mansion on St. John Street in Holborn um, at a beautiful roof terrace. And um, I used to go up there every night, like very close towards the end. It was like, you're going to win, you're going to win, you're yeah. going to win. That's just on repeat. So I'd convinced myself like way, way before. So when I won, it was more like um, relief that all of the madness that I'd convinced myself was real. I wasn't a nut job and I knew that I was, do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's not like, it's, it wasn't a shock to me. Like, I don't want that to come across as arrogant. It wasn't a shock to me when I won, it was relief because I'd put so much mental energy for months and months and months all through the addition processing to convince myself that I would, this was my destiny, that I was gonna win, yeah. right? That it was relief that, all, that I'd, that I'd that I wasn't a nutter. Yeah, because right? you put I that mean, pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a strange one, but it was relief. But also very exciting and all of the madness behind it that was coming. I was just like, 
what is this going to do for my life? You know, I just didn't know. I was 25 at the time. I'm 28 now, but I feel like I've come on such a such a way but at 25 it was mad it really was i was just like a kid really but yeah it's like winning the lottery yeah because that's a big show you know it's a massive show we've grown up on that show yeah so when he says you're hired what happens then do you get taken off to a room or did sir alan so you you go on to um the you're hired after oh, okay. yeah. Sure, yeah so like my family were in the audience and all of that type of stuff like you walk out on there and it was jack d presenting it at the time not um the other guys and um yeah my mum was there and she was like in the audience crying i mean that's got to be probably one of my proudest ever yeah, moments I definitely. Think. um because when i got expelled from school um and we were in the headmaster's office like we come out and she was crying then but it was disappointment yeah. And I remember looking at her saying, listen, don't worry, it's all gonna be all right. Um, I'll make it up to you. So it was a bit like you come out and I saw her and she was just looking at me and it was just like a flashback that back to the disappointment was now the proudest thing she's ever seen. So that for me was probably my made it moment or, yeah. you know, I've done something, I've paid her back type thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And yeah, you, which you, is a nice, a nice thing for me. Right? Now, of course, you, you have the energy to go out and do that. You yeah. worked hard, you got your business off the ground, you put the effort in, you apply for the apprentice. Nine weeks in the actual house, giving up your business away, just for, you know, because you, you want to better yourself. Yeah. You, know, you deserve that reward and not many people would do that. They probably think, I've got the application, I'm going to leave my business. Yeah. You know, what if he kicks me out on the first day, but you had the courage to do that, which which is credit to you. So you got that. So when do you actually meet? Um, so you meet him in and around that time after, but it's all very, very brief. I remember it was near Christmas 2015 um, and it was December. And um, we, I sort of met him like after the, just before the Your Hired show, before we went on and he's like, well done Joseph, congratulations. But he's a man of very few words. Is he? Um, I've heard this before from somebody yeah, else. Yeah, a man of very few words. So it's like, well done, we'll be in touch in the new year, get the contracts done and we'll speak then. Handshake, picture with the gla- um, flute of champagne each, and boom, he's gone. And then he was off to America and I, I, I didn't see him. Then fast forward to 2016, and I didn't see him for a couple of months. So it's like you contract signs and you get his team around you. But it was mad because I'm like, where is he? Like, we need to set this business together now. Like, we need yeah, to plan yeah, it. Like, I thought he was going to be like shoulder to shoulder with me for What's a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, not I've got his accountants and that's what I'm getting and I've got to deal with him. Yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a strange one at the back end. And I waited around for a couple of months where board meetings were done over the phone. And I was like you know, for an hour and I was expecting strategy and planning and where and, and all of that and it was sort of left to me. But I was like, the whole reason I've come here yeah. is to you to tell me how to grow a national business. I don't know as I wouldn't have come. That's so right. why do I have to keep giving you answers every board meeting? Yeah. Surely I should be asking questions, That's right? right? Yeah. Um, so it was a very strange process after that. Um, and for everybody that wants to know, because it's the age old question is how often you get to see him. It was once a month when he's in the country if not it's done by phone it's for an hour um you sit in his boardroom his boardroom in um essex and you have his fd his accountant and assistant accountant in there and um 
The board meetings were crazy. I mean, I'm a very strong. Like? Yeah, tell me what I'm a very about. strong. I, I, you know, imagine you, you fast forward. You're 26. I was 26 at this point. I'm in the boardroom with a billionaire. His FD. I'm in Amshold. You know, and I'm sitting in his actual boardroom, not the one you see on TV. And I don't know how to. I don't know how to operate in a board a meeting scenario. Like it's madness. As a kid that got kicked out of school. So you know, for me, it was all new territory. But it was extremely exciting because I was learning how to rock around with big people you know with really big dogs and you know that for me was education in itself without even learning just being in the environment was was strengthening me yeah i was learning how to talk how to speak how to act how to how to present the information that was required what what wasn't required when to talk when not to talk but take away the bullshit yeah and how mad it became and how deep the politics were and you know and all of that type of stuff and it was it was pretty cool it was but it was also very stressful because there was a lot of pressure um on me to want to show how good the business was going to be um, and I think after a while, right, and, and because I went in there so um, enthusiastic that I was going to get like all this support and mentoring and everything else, and which that you wasn't would do. really That's there, what I would think, wouldn't you? I, yeah. I became very demotivated. Yeah. Um, I really did, and um, I was I was like, listen, I want to grow it. I want to expand it. I want to become national. We want to do this. Like I, I'm in my twenties. I'll give it. I'll give everything to grow it now. And then there was a little bit like, no, we need to do it this or slower. Or I'm not. We have got two completely different visions of where we want to take this. His motivation versus mine was different. And I think at that point, after 16 months, was when I decided to say to him, look, right, I'm coming here each month. Um, I'm not really getting now. I've got the cash. Yeah. We've had the exposure. You've given me what you yeah. know. Yeah. You don't know any more about this industry. That's not because you don't know about business quite clearly because he's a billionaire, but you don't yeah. know about the industry. So they couldn't really help me. And I think they struggled a little bit with giving me any advice because they were so far away from the service industry, you know, that they didn't know what to say next. So I said to him, look, I want to take it to the max, Lord Sugar. I really want to go. I want to risk everything. I want to blow this up quickly. Um, and I appreciate if that maybe worries you a little bit and you've got a reputation to keep um, that every company is successful off the back of it. So I said, if that worries you and you're not going to be on the front line with me every single day, shoulder to shoulder, risk everything to go to the top, then let me go alone. Yeah. I'll buy it back from you and I'll take the risk. We leave amicably. I thank you for everything that you did for me. Huge respect, you didn't have to choose me. I don't want to ever say a bad word about you because of where we are. Um, will you let me go? I think that's the right move for us both. And he said to me, you know what? No one's ever spoken to me like that before. Yeah. Um, massive respect. Um, yeah, and then we negotiated a deal and within two weeks, I'd, I'd bought it back out. I was out, I was on my own. Um, but you had the exposure. Yeah. The now experience the company, was We started the new boiler installation model in August 2016, and we, we're, we're nearly two years in, and we've hit almost five million in a completely new business model in two wow. years in sales that's just crazy. from boilers. And that's been purely driven by me. So it's grown and grown and grown since I bought him out a year ago. We're at one, one what, nearly two million, and now we've almost doubled the size of the business without him. Um, you know, so the business is still um, on a rapid growth spurt, but that was another very scary time. I mean, that, I'm going to say it took big bollocks from myself. I was 
I to, was, to leave him? To leave, because it was only a year and a half, so you can imagine all of the press. Yeah. Oh, why has he left? Yeah. Why are they getting out? Is Joe a failure? Is his business not working? Um, you know, why don't Sugar want him? Or, you know, or whatever yeah, else, yeah. when actually it was all pushed by me. Yeah. And so that I was scared, you know, and I thought if it does fail, you know, but at the end of the day, so what? You know, people can say whatever they want to say. Nothing will ever stop They will me. anyway. They will yeah, anyway. they're going to do it anyway. But, you know, that was the best ever move for me, but... It was a very tough one, but... But what was your turn to? You were to stay with him. Yeah. Grow slowly, yeah. just to save face. But that's not you, that's not exactly, your Exactly, that's you, it. And you, know, you want to hit it straight and, and you know, it's the personal brand. I was getting told off for posting motivational quotes on Twitter. You know, I'm like, what? Like, yeah. you, you, ain't my, you ain't my boss. Yeah. I was getting a bollock him for writing, like, you know, for, for, for posting stuff on social media or like, yeah. you know, and I kept it because I could have been pulled into the celebrity world of it, but I wasn't going out that much if yeah. I did go to clubs and stuff in London I was very careful not to be seen I was doing everything I could to maintain the business respect level even though I was a 26 year old and I'm a bit of a lad there's yeah, no doubt yeah, about sure it you, you, are. you know and I would have wanted to I wanted to explore that and really push it but I kept it as respectable as possible um, you know and I was just like I'm going to always end up being known. And the other thing, we're speaking about personal brand a lot today. Um, I wanted to be Joseph Valente. I don't want to be known for the next 10 years as Lord Sugar's business partner, like all the other guys that no one remembers the names of. Do you know what I mean? So who was that guy that Lord Sugar bought into five years ago? You know, I want to be like, who is that guy, Joseph? But you know what I mean, right? Yeah, that's so you're right. always going to be in his shadow because he's yeah. such a big figure. Exactly. But now you've branched off. And look, you took the risk again, yeah. you know, which, which most entrepreneurs would do. You've doubled your turnover, different model. You kind of got the freedom back. But look, you've had the exposure. You've sat with a billionaire yeah. on a boardroom. No one can take that away from you. You've yeah. won The Apprentice. No one can take that away from you. But what you've done, you've grown yourself even further. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the pattern of your journey, isn't it? Yeah, breaking, breaking the keep, norm to keep going like that. You know, if you want to do big things, you've got to take big actions. Yeah, no, that's great. I think you know you, you've really gone in detail about your story, and people watching The Apprentice, they obviously want to know what happened with Alan Sugar. That's you just it worked for sixteen months, and then it's a kind of you go different ways. Now, don't forget, Lord Sugar's got a lot of businesses. Yeah, you know. I would expect what you expect. You won the competition. Right, I'm going to WhatsApp <laughs> Lord and Yeah, what's up in that business? Then? What do I do next? Then? That's yeah, what you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, could, you, know, you, you want all this information. But I think what you find is the higher up someone is, the harder it is. Yeah, because it was like startup phase again. Because even yeah. though we'd been going for a while, he bought into that business in Pregas. So it was, I felt like we were starting up again. And now I had a partner and it's like, right, exciting time. But I wasn't getting that, um, that same piece back. But I just want to make a point on um, relationships in business, investors in business. I think relationships work for a certain period of time and it worked for a certain period of time so there's nothing wrong like with having that and using that and understanding that and being okay with that just because if me and you went into business together it could be on a three-year project yeah right and we do we do it and it's done and then we walk away from each other it doesn't mean that we're lifelong we're married we're in this for the long haul right and people believe that because what your business partner you're going to be together forever you know be okay with the fact that relationships work for a period of time. I got the exposure, yeah. I got the investment, and I got some mentorship. I got what I needed, um, you know, and he got what he needed. I think he got a good story for The Apprentice about the bad boy yeah. going good, you know, and, and, and they got what they needed from me. So, you know, we took to where we wanted to be, and then we split, right? And be okay with that. Like, 
you never, you don't have to be with somebody forever and there isn't anything wrong with something working for a period of time, they're not. And if it doesn't work, please get out, please have the bollocks to get out, please move because all you're gonna end up doing is killing off the company, you'll end up hating each other, falling out, it will turn nasty, but one of you be brave enough to go. If, you, if you're in a business right now and you're seeing it not working with your partner, be brave enough to be honest with each yeah. other and say, listen guys, this isn't working. I don't want this anymore. It wasn't what we wanted when we first started. It didn't really work out. Can we can we break this before it goes wrong? I yeah. don't want to burn the bridge with you. I don't want to hate you, so let's move and let's keep it amicable. And that's anything, honesty. Even if you're working for someone, yeah. Yeah. As an employee and you want to start your own business, end the relationship in a nice professional way. Yeah. It's not working out, I'm going to do something else, shake their hand. I always now make sure I don't fall out with anybody, even yeah. my tenants, even anybody, because you don't know when you're going to meet that path again. Yeah. You don't know you're going to meet with Alan Sugar in five years time for a gigantic deal. Mm. You've not broken that bridge. You've yeah. been honest, you've said it as it is. He respects you, you respect him, moved away. Otherwise, you could have stayed there, you could have hated upon him, and in the end, he could either get rid of you, and then you're thinking, oh, you know what, I messed up relationship. Yeah, you don't, you know, I think that comes with the age and experience, doesn't it? You know, I think when you're younger, you only get into rows and bits and bobs. But, you know, another thing as well, he said, I just don't want that negativity in my life. <laughs> Honestly, man. Yeah. Like, I just, I hate negativity. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like falling out of people. I don't like arguments. I don't like being angry anymore. I don't like any of that horrible feeling. You know, for me, it's now always about positive, always about happiness, always about leveling up. So just try, I always try and remove anything yeah. that can cause a negative aura, you know? And that means people as well. Yeah. You don't have to hang around with people, whether it's family, friends, whatever it is, if they're negative, yeah. you need to give them a chance and move away. 100%. Because otherwise they're gonna bring you down. There's no loyalty. Mm -hmm. And in business, it's doggy dog anyway. You don't yeah. need that. You've got enough pressure as it is. But look, I've got some questions from the audience. You've Perfect. covered most of them. Yeah. They're all about Salish or Gaza would be. Um, but look, one of the questions was, look, You've, you're 28 now, yeah. you've probably got experience, I'm, I'm nearly 40, but I feel like you, you're talking on my level, because you've had that experience, you've learned so much. If you could give yourself, let's say the listener now is looking to get into business or whatever, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, the advice that I would give my younger self is that you can do all of the things that you believe you can do. Um, I think it's very important for younger people to be pushed to achieve like basically i would say to myself joe all the madness that you think all the crazy ambition that you have go on my son you can do it you will achieve it don't let anyone try and pull you off your vibe you will do it awesome, awesome. yeah that's, that's that's amazing and one other question what was the best advice you got from lord sugar always understand your margin Always a profit. Or not. Yeah, it's always understand your margin on every product and make sure that there is one. Um, and I know that seems pretty simple, but people get distracted by that. They get distracted by sales revenue and they don't look at all of the things that can dilute their margins, you know, and it's sort of, and, and it's so, so important because you end up becoming a busy fool. 
Um, and it's, 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 it's very important in my industry. It's not so much in a, let's say for example, you create a computer, you have a margin on it and you sell it because it's fixed, it's a That's product right. out of the box. When you're going into a customer's property and you're surveying jobs yeah. that change on every appointment to appointment, you must know that there's money in it. Don't just go, if the customer goes to you, okay, well we do it for 500 quid less because um, Jim down the road will, you go, yeah, all right, I'll do it, yeah. without working out whether you've got any profit in it just because you want to win the job because yeah. they fluctuate so much that's the important thing to remember yeah. if you're quoting and surveying in our type of world you must always make sure that you don't drop your prices or do discounts or anything like that without making sure that there's money still there just because you want to win jobs and yeah that's so true but yeah. that, you know I always say money's the auction of every business mm. and people say oh it's not about making money yeah you want the vision but then if you've got no money you can't pay the bills, you yeah. can't pay your staff, you're out of the game. Yeah, it's not just about the money, but it's about the money, yeah. right? You've got to have the money as you're not going to be doing it. If you, got, if you haven't got the money, you can't keep doing it. If you haven't got the money, you can't get any better because you can't invest, develop, hire more staff, improve the product. Exactly. So, money makes money, but obviously, like you said, you know, it's, it, it's a balance, isn't it? Thank you for that. You've had the questions, that, uh, the main question, actually, about Sir Alan. We've covered all that. I keep saying Sir Lord. Was it Lord? Lord. Or, <laughs> Lord. Keep getting confused. I keep changing. Yeah. Um, Lord Joe. <laughs> yeah. So, look, um, this is the Business Mentor Podcast. It's yep. about mentors. Now, it's a chance for you um, to sort of name any mentors that have helped you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be business. Anybody that's helped you on your journey. Um, to where you are today. Yeah, okay, so number one is my mum. The woman is an inspiration. Um, she works, she's worked incredibly hard over her lifetime and she did sacrifice time for low paid jobs but to keep her family going. And yeah. you know, I owe her massively for that and I'll do my best to repair and send them on holidays and everything now. Um, uh, Lord Sugar it was an inspiration that got me to start my business. Um, you know, and helped me and gave me such a leg up. So he's he's a huge um, mentor of mine. Um, and there's a whole host of other different people, yeah. really. You know, a lot of the Grant Cardones, the Gary V's. I listen to them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good stuff. I want to thank you. Before we go, where can people find you, JV? Where can they... Um contact you all over social media it's at mr joseph valente or just joseph valente um get in touch we do a lot of lives a lot of q a's a lot of interaction with people so if they want to know more then check me out also on the book just has a book um, I know that was amazon the, bestseller yeah book is expelled from the classroom to billionaire boardroom shows how expelled from 15 um, was able to have a billionaire business partner by the age of 25 and all the things that happened in a lot more detail than what we've just spoke about. So yeah. Amazon, Expel from the Classroom to Billionaire Border. And I recommend you getting that. It's an amazing book for the small investment. Get that book, read it, learn about Joseph's journey and uh, you, you really get some value from that. I want to thank you. And also, you do, we, did, we met on the charity event, you know, recently. We did. You know, we're both Great night. entrepreneurs. Um, they raised about 1.5 million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I know, Volume insane. Is. John Terry. John Terry. We had some fun, right? Yeah, very good. So look, when you're successful, you know, even the little things giving back, it felt good, you know? Yeah, yeah, Keeps yeah. Keeps in the back and helping for, for such a good cause. Top man, thank you right. very much for having me on. No problem. Thank nice you. you. If you've got any questions, you can get me at Jay at the Business Mentor Podcast or my Instagram. Give a shout out. But until then, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.